Amen. Thanks, man. Good morning. <laughs> so good. So I want to just say thank you for, this is our third Sunday with you guys. Thank you so much for welcoming us so beautifully. It's, it feels like we're family already. Um, and then just some disclaimers before I preach, because I don't want it to be my last time preaching here. And so I believe a few things. I believe that whatever I have to say is nothing compared to what God has to say. I believe that the Word of God is living and active and useful for teaching, correcting, and training up in righteousness. And whatever is God this morning, we want to trust that He builds His way. And so it doesn't matter what I say or what I think. It matters what the Bible says. And I also believe this, that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. That's what the Bible says. And so I'm not, I'm not going to be a, it's not going to be a blessing preach today. It's going to be a building preach, which might make you feel uncomfortable or angry even towards me, which is fine. I understand. But if something of the Lord touches your heart this morning, please try to look past your own train track or your own preference or your own whatever and try allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to shift and to change. So that's a disclaimer. <laughs> if you do need to escape, those doors are designed to be pushed and open. And so if you need to just run, push those silver flap things, it says push to be released, and just keep on running. It's fine. We won't look down on you. Okay, it's a disclaimer, disclaimer. So let's just pray. I want to pray that, that the Holy Spirit does. And you need to pray. You say, if you want God to change your life today, I want you now in this moment to say, Holy Spirit, change my life today, or show me something new of you, or do something fresh. Okay, so Father, as we come... As we bring your word, right now we want to ask that you will do something significant in us through your word, not through me or what I think, but through you and what you think. So right now where you sit, just ask the Lord, ask him for faith, ask him for your heart to shift if need be, encouragement or whatever it is, just in a few moments. Amen. So, I'm going to speak about a, a guy, a really cool guy from the Old Testament. He's probably one of the greatest figures in the history of the biblical history. Um, he's mentioned 767 times. For those st statisticians out there that like st statistics and all of those kind of things, you'll like this little part. It, that's uh, 767 times in the, in the Old Testament. He's mentioned 79 times in the New Testament. And his name is Moses. One of the greatest leaders that have, that have ever lived, I believe, and Sham, he went through a lot of things. But he was a lot of things as well. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was a lawgiver. He was a judge. He was an intercessor. He was a shepherd. He was a miracle worker. He was a founder of a nation. So he's, he's quite high up there. Like He's like this larger-than-life figure. Like he's, He did more in his 120 years on the planet than most of us will do because he lived 120 years. None of us will probably live that long. That's unfair, actually, now that I think about it. And so as, as much as he was an amazing guy, um, he didn't get to the other side. In other words, God called him for a specific purpose to get the Israelites into the promised land. And as much as he was a prophet and a priest and a lawgiver and a nation starter and all these things, he actually didn't get to the other side. And so I want to start this preach at the end. You know, like those movies that start in the beginning and then they rewind three days earlier. And then, so we're going to start and then 120 years later, we're going to 
we're going to figure it out. It's not going to be 120 years preach, hopefully. But let's, uh, I've got a timer on. So, so Numbers 20 verses 10 to 12. Let's just, and I, and this is crazy. And it seems very harsh, but hear, hear us out here. So then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? So you need to get some context. He's already hit a rock before because of the grumbling and the Israel nation. Were, they weren't very nice people. And they kept on trying to stone him and, you know, they did their thing. And so he, he, he seems a bit frustrated here. Okay, and he calls them rebels. He's not very nice. I mean, he's quite a, I mean, he's about 2,000, 2 million people. I mean, that's pretty, you're rebels. I mean, they could kill him at any time if they wanted to. Anyways, next, next verse, please. And then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank their livestock. Is that the right scripture? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no. Yes. Then, verse 12. And then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall, bring, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So something's happening here. God says something. Moses does something. There is water. The people are appeased. The rebels get what they want. But there's something, here, there's something there in verses 12. It says, you did not uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, I shall not bring you into the assembly. In other words, you're not going to the other side. You're never going to see with your hands and your feet. and You're never going to see the promised land that I've promised you. That's harsh. Just by hitting a rock twice. Okay, so let's rewind. That's the end. Let's rewind. And let's, let's, let's listen to Deuteronomy 3, verses 23 to 28. And this is Moses to God. And I pleaded with the Lord at this, at this time saying, O Lord, You've only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? So you need to understand something. So Moses realizes he's in serious trouble. <laughs> and so he, he's kind of been a, a little bit of a chop master. He's like, God, you know who you are. You're like, oh. And he's trying to actually wingle God to change his mind here, which is, which is what we do sometimes. Well, I do it at least. I'll speak for myself. But... Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan. That is, there's good hill country in, and Lebanon. Check what, how God responds. Go, sorry, go back. Go back. Oh, the other one, other one, 26, yeah. But the Lord was angry with me because of you, and you would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me on this matter again. No one's ever read that scripture and put it on a... Fridge magnet and like looked at that every day. So he's trying to like, God, come on, man. I've spent 120 years following you. Come on, you great. You, you, I haven't started to see your awesomeness. Come on. And God's response was, stop speaking about this. I don't want to hear anything more. That's, that's harsh. Eh? <laughs> Enough from me. Do not speak of this matter again. Is that verse 27? Yes. Go up to the top of... I don't know how to pronounce that word. And lift your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and look at it with your eyes, for you should not go over this Jordan. So, very harsh. We always preach that God's this loving God and it's unconditional. Love is not unconditional at all, ever. Even in the Bible, God says, if you love me, you will. There's conditions, right? And so we see this very harsh 
moment. But you need to understand, it's not just one moment. It's many moments over 120 years. And so we want to look at defaults today. All of us have defaults. Even Moses had defaults as a nation starts, a prophet, a priest, an intercessor, all those things. He had defaults that no one ever checked him on, except for maybe his father-in-law once. And those defaults circled, and they circled, and they circled. And over a long period of time, God got to the place where he said, Moses, I love you so much that I can't let you go in there. This is, enough is enough. And I feel like God is saying this to us today. We all have defaults. He wants us to get over the Jordan. He wants us to get to the other side. But if we are not aware of what's in our hearts, and Enrico preached a cooker last week, Oaks. Like, I would encourage you strongly to go listen to that. He spoke about how our hearts and how we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and how His presence goes with us. Go listen to it again. It's a powerful preach. And I want to build on that this morning. And so, this is a warning because I love you and because God loves you. If there are defaults that are destructive, you've got to kill them today. Because you never want to get to where Moses is, where God says, enough now. I don't want to hear any more of this. My, my, I've made up my mind. We never want to get there. Okay, so you see, the blessing thing rather than the, I mean, the building thing rather than the blessing thing is going to come out. So, let's rewind. So, so Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian as a shepherd, and 40 years in the desert as a redeemer. And so, you can kind of see his heart was to redeem. Moses' heart was to redeem. He wanted to save. He was a shepherd by heart. He saw things. He didn't like it how it was. He was like, man, I've got to help. I've got to help. So let's look how this plays out. So Egypt. One day, um, if you can stick that uh, Exodus 2 verse 11 and 12 on for me quickly. It says, yeah, one day Moses had uh, grown up after 40 years. And he went out to his people and he looked at the burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one. Uh, uh, Hebrew, one of his people. Check what he does here, little savage. He's premeditated murder, right here. Check this. He looked this way and that way. In other words, he sees this happening. He's not happy. He's a redeemer by heart. And he goes, oh man, is there anyone looking? Is there anyone looking? No, no, no. And then he goes, he struck the Egyptian down and he hit him <laughs> in the sand. So his heart is to redeem. His heart is, no, this is, he's got a mercy heart. He's like, this can't stand. But his default is he takes things into his own hands and he trusts on his own strength. You'll see this through the 120 years as we go through these things. And so as much as his heart is good, his default is, I'm not going to wait for God to redeem or I'm not going to wait for God to bring punishment on this. I'm going to do it myself. Ooh. <laughs> That's so crazy. In Midian for 40 years, let's go jump to, sorry, I'm just putting a lot of scripture in because I'm trying to lay a foundation for us to make it applicable. So in Exodus 3 verse 11, you, you see this wonderful moment of God speaks to Moses face to face in a burning bush. That's pretty strange, but beautiful at the same time. Check what happens. After all this, he says, Moses, I see your heart. I've brought you into Midian because you're a shepherd. I've got to, I see my, your, my people are struggling and I want to redeem them and I want to take them out of, out of Egypt and take them across the land. It's this beautiful vision. And, oh, and then he, and then, but Moses says to God, and, and, and God chooses Moses because of who he is. And Moses says to God, who am I that I should do, go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
He sees default coming. Like God's got this big vision and this plan, this purpose. And the first response that he makes, and he makes many, I think it's like four times he makes excuses. He goes, who am I? I can't do it on my own strength. I can't. Who's no, no one's going to listen to me. You can see his default just churning, churning, churning. It's crazy. And then we see it again when he's in the desert. In, uh, and this is the only time where he's checked on this thing. Um, in Exodus 18, verses 18, 17 and 18, check this. It says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what are you doing is not good. So he's trying to rule the nation. There's like two million people, something like that. He's trying to do everything. He's trying to judge. He's trying to make laws. He's trying to lead. He's trying to stop quarreling and fighting and stealing and all of that. And his father-in-law is like, what are you doing? He says, you and the people will, um, will surely wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you and you are not able to do it alone. So only a real time would we see someone go, hey, Moses, there's something wrong with you. There's this default that isn't helpful for you and the people. And then after this, Jethro says, hey, why don't you take good men, set them aside, make them rules over tens and blah, 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 and they sort out like some kind of leadership structure. So those are three distinct moments in Moses' life where we see his default playing against him. So we jump to those first two scriptures, and basically God's like, enough is enough, Moses. You're not going over. That's it. After 120 years of serving the Lord and of putting up with nonsense and quails and manna and Egyptians and desert, you know that they're stuck in the desert for 40 years that they could cross in three days. It's crazy. But God was gracious. Their sandals never ran out. How cool is that if my vans would never run out? <laughs> that would be cool, eh? It was cloud by day, fire by night. He provided meat. He provided, God was good to them. But he was stuck. So what's going on here? Well, in Exodus 17, when he strikes the rock first time, God says, strike the rock. The second time, God says, speak to the rock. Don't strike the rock. That's the only difference. Can you put that rock up there? I found a picture of what they think was the rock they struck. So... It's not a little rock. So apparently, the first time you smacked the rock and that thing cracked and the water ran down. And if you go visit there, some of the archaeologists, they can, you can still see where the water ran into the valley. It's quite beautiful, actually. And so the first time, God says, strike the rock. The second time, God says, Moses, speak to the rock. And he doesn't speak to the rock because he's frustrated. And, he's like, and he smacks the rock twice because it worked the first time, Right? And God's like, that little, that little difference, you can't go in now. So you might be going, what does this got to do with my life? It's got everything to do with our lives. We're also trying to get to the other side. <laughs> True character is revealed in the choices a human makes when he's under pressure or she's under pressure. The greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation. The truer the choice of the character is sensual nature. In other words, Moses was under pressure when the, when the Egyptians were oppressing his people. He was under pressure when God was speaking to him face to face. He was under pressure when the whole of Israel was trying to kill him because they needed water and their cattle were dying. Pressure doesn't normally create cracks. It normally exposes them. So we all have defaults. And God, 
I think sometimes deliberately, I know it's, don't forget freaked out, but he's a good God. And his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our I believe he puts us under pressure to test the character of our hearts. When those moments come, we have a choice. We can either run to him or run away from him. We can allow that pressure to show the true character of our hearts. And if our hearts are good, God rewards that in a sense. Because if you're faithful to little, he'll give you more. But if he reveals our hearts are bad, we should allow him to go, hey, God, like, oh, man, you've shown me something. Thank you. I recognize it, and I want to shift. But more often than not, and I've been in ministry for a long time now, when those moments come, we run away from God. <laughs> it happens all the time. And like when you're sick, you go to the doctor, right? When you're spiritually sick, oaks run away. Like as many times I've been phoning, hey, man, where you been? Like, no, oh, I don't want to speak to you. I'm having a bad time. God, I hate God. Like, Ugh. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be running to God in this moment. Am I the only one that sees that? There's like two people that are agreeing with me. Thank you. Are you guys still with me? Okay, good, good. I'm with me too, which is great. And so we see this pattern throughout the Bible, biblical history. It goes like this. There's rebellion, and there's retribution, and then there's repentance, and then there's restoration. And we see that from the beginning right through. It's even into our lives today. And so like we, we're doing well, and then sin comes, and there's rebellion. Doing our own way. And then there's retribution because there's got to be consequence of sin, right? And then after that, we're like, ah, oh, and then there's repentance. And then crying out to God, God. And then there's <laughs> restoration. And then we do well for a while. And then, boom, sin comes. And then, ah, oh, God. And then there's consequence. We don't have to live like that. Honestly, we don't have to live like that. So am I shouting to you? I'm not sure like, if you like excited preaching or low. I don't know. Just tell me. It feels like I'm too loud. It's all right. Just tell me to just calm down because I'm quite excited about it. <sighs> Ex-Baptist coming out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what am I doing for time? Don't mess around too much. Ah! Halfway through. Albert Einstein said this. Insanity is they're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. God doesn't want us to be insane in the spirit. We've got to learn <laughs> sometime to stop acting on our default and to start relying on him. And that's a train track thing. All of us, elders, deacons, community leaders, saints. Can I just say this? We're all saints. I'm a saint. I'm the worst of sinners. I'm a pastor that has got tattoos. <gasps> Someone's nervously laughing there. I might get into trouble for that one. I'm just a normal guy that loves Jesus desperately. That's got lots of issues and lots of faults. And I don't know why. I asked him often, God, why did you choose me to do what I do? I'm not the best looking guy, even though Abby thinks I'm good looking and super sexy. Thank you, Bates, for. I'm not the most well spoken person. I'm not the most intelligent when it comes to certain things like academics. I'm better at building things with my hands and like creative stuff and all that. But I'm like, God, why the heck? I'm not allowed to say that word either. Sorry, that's a rumor. Why, God? Just 
Dub out the heck word. Don't know how to say that. Why did you choose me? Why? I, I don't understand it. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If you, if you could see my heart, you'd be like, Ugh, I don't want to follow that guy. But then if you look at your own heart, you'd be like, Flat, maybe we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Nervous laughing in the middle there. Heidi, Heidi. <laughs> okay, I got to start coming to. I wasted a lot of time just talking nonsense there. So I think it's a difference between a religious point of view when it comes to the Lord and a relationship point of view to the Lord. And so religion is this. I'll try to find it as best as I can. Religion is, I obey, therefore God will do. So think about this. I tick a box, I come to church on a Sunday. I'm going to do my weekly tick. Maybe I'll raise my hands if, if I think someone's looking at me in worship. Tick. Maybe I'll have one quiet time every three months because someone said that once and I preached. Tick. And then you're like, look, God, look at all that I've done. So now you need to do stuff for me. That's not how Christianity works at all. All that does is lead you to two extremes. Either you become super spiritual. Hey, but... Um, Abby, help me with this point. Super spiritual where you speak the language and you do the stuff and it looks like you're very tight with the Lord on the outside. And if you read the New Testament, Jesus is wrecking the Sadducees and the Pharisees all day long because he's going, you guys are hypocrites because you're making out like you're so close to me. You're so super spiritual, but there's, you're a whitewashed tomb. There's nothing in you. Now, that's pretty harsh. You brood of whoppers. You know, Jesus was hardcore. And then he like turns the tables off, and he's like whoops them out of the, yes, Jesus is awesome. <laughs> so you have that extreme, or you have the other extreme, where you just do just enough to get by. I don't believe in tithing, God. I'm just going to give you like 0.05% of my tithe, because I don't believe in it anymore. Or... I'm not going to worship because he told me to raise my hands. I'm going to do just enough. I'm just going to stand there. Or I'm not going to go out and share my testament with other people because God is sovereign. And if he wants to save, if he wants to save, he'll do it because he's sovereign. Mm. Awkward. And so you have these two extremes. That, that's what religion does. One is super spiritual, and it's just you clang, 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 clang. You speak, and you act, and you clang, clang, because there's no life behind it. Or the other one is, I'll just do enough, just do enough. <laughs> and you become this mediocre, dried up, pew warmer that's worth nothing to the kingdom. And Andrew's always said, we don't want to build with pew warmers. And he says often, if you want to be a pew woman in Josh Jen, you're welcome to leave through those doors and go find another church down the road that wants to build like that because we're not building like that. We want to be a people that are passionately in love with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that the word of God is like, like the prophet says, like a fire burning in my bones. And even if you persecute me or tell me to shut up or whatever, I can't hold it in anymore. And there's like one person that's probably like that here. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just like, we call to relationship. 
And relationship is this. Relationship is God is, therefore I will obey. So it's, it's totally opposite. It's like, if I do this and this and this, God will do something. But relationship is, God is. Think about it. The God that I serve is the one who created the universe by going, let it be. The God that I serve is sustaining the whole world as we know it right now just by his power of who he is. My God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that I could live a full, totally off the top life with him, full of the Holy Spirit. Like one amen at least, please. Like somebody. It's like pulling teeth with them. Like, ah! Crazy for Jesus. Like, ah! People like, yes, Yorick. Thank you, Jesus. It's like, because of relationship, because of who God is, the sovereign, mighty, Alfred Omega, beginning and the end, savior of the world, savior of my life, spirit giving, savior, come on. Like, so we, we're sitting in a, on Wednesday night, we had an elders meeting, and Rian opened up a can of worms for that. Yes. Whew. And by the end of the meeting, I'm sitting there, I'm feeling, I'm starting to sweat. Feel the Holy Spirit, my heart's going, because I'm so convicted that I'm, I'm, I'm missing it. Like, I'm a fuller man after all these years. Why don't I get the defaults? Why don't I kill them? I'm sitting there. I'm starting to see, like, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And I think, I know I'm speaking for myself, but I felt like that in that meeting. And it was a, it was a hard meeting because we're sitting there as elders, we're going, man, we're missing something here. But at the end of that meeting, I think we went from a religious kind of vibe because there were a lot of to and fro and back and forth and trying to work out our own heart issues through <laughs> day long. But at the end, we just prayed and there's a sense of, I'm just speaking for myself, sense of peace and like this, a moment of repentance and reconciliation one to another, but with God as well. And we're hoping that'll break open something over us. As we saw our defaults and our failings and our insecurities and our, fear of man or whatever it was for the different couples, we felt that something of a relationship was restored. And in a sense, this morning, we're hoping that we don't leave this place still on the train tracks in our religious ways because we've always done it that way. I left a movement of churches or a, to join Josh Jen. Well, not a movement. Uh, what do you call it? What's the other word? Denomination. Because of this, I went to one of their... Um, one of their inter, uh, international kind of gathering things like we do. And I remember them debating whether there was apostolic and a whole bunch of things. And the one guy who was leading the whole movement at that stage stood up and said, we will not move from our 1884 Baptist principle thing that some guy wrote. We will not go there because we're too uncomfortable to go towards the apostolic. And in that moment... My heart just shifted because I realized we're never going to go anywhere in this movement because we're now religious and we're taking man's word over God's word. It's going to die. You know that even in Josh Jen, that can happen if we're not aware of our defaults. So let me start landing. And I will try land, not like Andrew, but he was like, I'll land and then. I land, I land, I land. So let's try. Let me try. Don't tell Andrew I said that because I'll be in trouble. 
So Matthew 7, 21, 23, I'm just going to bring it into our day and age. So get to the other side. Check here. Uh, we're right. Matthew 7, 21. No, not right. Okay, so let me read it while we're finding it. It says this. So Jesus says, this is his own words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so just like Moses in the Old Testament didn't kind of make it to the promised land. You don't understand, biblically, in the, in the New Testament, Jesus says there's a possibility for some of us to have the same problem. But only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. If you're on a train track and if you're living a religious life, you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. I guarantee it. Because religion is not God. It is a man-made thing that we make to make ourselves feel comfortable or get our own way. And it goes on to say, oh, I've got to change this time out thing on my phone. He says this, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name or perform many miracles? And then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Get this. And this is, I had this in my quiet time about three months ago, and it freaked me out. Because the gifts are irrevocable. In other words, I can operate in my gift that God has given me as a person without him. That's a very scary thought. And I can think I'm doing stuff in the Lord because I've gifted, but I'm doing it <laughs> my gifting, not with the Lord in my gifting. And these people honestly believe they're saved. They've been doing the work of the Lord. They've been driving out demons. They've been doing miracles and wonders and signs and stuff, but they haven't. They've been living religious without relationship. And that's what Jesus says, get away from me. I never knew you. So what is eternal life? Who knows the scripture, John 17, 3. I think it's John 17, 3. Sorry, I didn't give it to you. Off the top of my head. Can we just check that out quickly? And while he's finding that scripture, I want to read some lyrics from Classic Crowns. It's, it's, the, the song's called Slow Fade, and it says this. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. Where, where thoughts invade, choices made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. You need to understand, it's 120 years for Moses to get to the place where God says, enough is enough. You haven't heard me all these years. It's done. For our lives, it's the same thing. It's a slow fade. It's just like the devil. He doesn't come with his pitchforks and his tail. I don't know what he looks like. He probably looks pretty ugly or pretty, I don't know. Who knows? He's an angel in his night and he's all over the place. But... He comes as a masquerading angel of light to deceive. Just with our hearts. And that's what Enrico was preaching about last week. It's a slow fade. And I'm telling you now, we worked it out. I've been a Christian 37 years or something like that. It's hard, I think, harder to be a burning, on-fire Christian for Jesus over a long period of time because you lose the wonder of salvation. You lose a that revelation, you use that gritty, ah, oh, look what God has done. Because you become familiar and more familiar and you learn the jargon and how to say things and how to do things. It's a very dangerous place, especially for those who are older in the Lord here. So, let's land it. I have three minutes and 25, 24, 23 seconds left. How do we over, overcome our defaults? 
first of all, you can't do it in your own strength. And if you try, you fall into religion again. So let's uh, look at Titus 2, verse 11 and 14, and then we'll end with an acronym, and then we'll break bread and do whatever God wants us to do. So for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. So grace comes to bring salvation, but it also comes to do this. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearance of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. So now there's this crazy, stupid teaching that's been around for a long time that I hate with all my heart. And it's a hyper-grace movement. It says you can live like you want to live because the grace of God has covered you. His death on the cross has done all that it needs to do, which it has to a certain degree. And you can live like you want to live and do what you want to do, and He's forgiven you. Absolute junk, according to that scripture in Titus. Because the grace of God has been given for salvation, first of all, from religion to relationship. Did you find that scripture, John 17, 3? Eternal life is this, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Eternal life starts now. It started in 1985 for me. I knew, I started knowing God. It's not, it's not airy-fairy on, this, on the clouds shooting harps. Eternal life is when we know Christ. That's when it starts, right? That's eternal life. It's relationship. So we're like, thanks, Bobby, you giving me some inspiration. And it, it can only happen by grace. Because grace teaches us to be ungodly. Grace helps us to become that zealous people of God. <laughs> Not so that we can do whatever we want to do when we want to do. So that we become like Christ, looking like him in every way. <clears throat> so let's end with this. How do we respond then? How do we respond to this grace? In one word, or A-W-E. Awe is this. It's a feeling of reverential respect mixed with fear, awe, and wonder. So as we come and start breaking bread, and as we, hopefully the Holy Spirit has, has spoken somehow this morning, that he's used his word to build faith, but not only that to encourage, not only that to maybe challenge, maybe rebuke, maybe bring it back into alignment what is missing. The way we do that is by awe. So A is, first of all, acknowledging who God is in his, all his glory and his majesty and his wonder, but then acknowledging the state of our heart at the same time <laughs> and realizing there's nothing we can do to shift that except for the grace of God. Second thing is W, is to worship him. Now, please don't fall into this trap. I'm not saying singing worship. Worship isn't singing. It's po- Part of singing is part of worship. It's not worship. Worship is putting God first in, every, in everything. Worship is, God, I am so low. It's like Paul says, I become nothing so that you can become everything. That's worship. God over our lives. God over our health. God over our businesses. God over our family. God over our sport. God over fashion, whatever you guys are into. God over food. God over... Worshipping, seeking him first before anything else. 
And then E. Eagerly living the change. <laughs> Eagerly living the change. Because he says, he who begins a new work in you will carry it into completion until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we break bread, or just before we break bread, can I ask somebody, maybe on the keyboard, keyboard or a keyboard or something, just to, sorry? Tammy, yes. <clears throat> can you get a keyboard for us? Or not? You don't have to. You can. She's very embarrassed, but come on, you can do it. Whoop, whoop. Give it up for Tammy. Can you just like synthesize or something? I think that's a word. Do your thing. Just to create some ambience. Oh, some big words coming out. Ambience. Seven the wrong word. So acknowledge who God is, who you are. Worship. If you haven't put him first, put him first. And then eagerly expect change. Like, I'm not, some, sometimes God can work supernatural and he can shift the person in an instant. I love it. I once um, tell you a funny story because you'll get to know me. We had a guy that turned into a werewolf all the time in our Sunningdale church. And um, Shane Paul Lawrence, I didn't believe him that this guy was shape-shifting. Because I was like, nah, it doesn't happen. It's only twilight stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so the one day I get this, uh, get this phone call and, and, and Lawrence is freaking out. It's like, this guy's trying to kill me in my house. He's turning into a werewolf. I'm like, yeah. I get there, literally the guy's turning into a werewolf. I'm like, yeah, like tongue, like, oh, that was freaky. Anyways, but we prayed for him and God's power came in and in an instant, <laughs> As he was running on all fours like I've never seen a human do. He hit a wall, the demon left, and he was transformed. Still in Josh Jane, loving Jesus today. That can happen, right? Like, that, love that you can turn to werewolves and God's going to change that thing. But, like, he can change your heart in a moment. Or, he could take, and there's a seed that can be planted in you today that'll bring into place out of religion and the train tracks to become a fighter pilot, to go wherever God goes, to do whatever God wants to be done, and to live a life that is a relational so I'm going to pray for us, and then I would love you to pray for you. <laughs> and if you're here tonight, today and um, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to Him a little bit later. If you're here and you've fallen into a religious system, God loves you. And that religion is not going to get you to the other side. And maybe you've prayed for 40 years and you've read your Bible and you've worshipped and you've been in church for as long as you can remember. But you know that God's been speaking to you through the Word today. And you know that you're just religious. You're not relational. I think God wants to do something in you as well. And so we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. And we're going to call for response. And then we're going to see what He does. <laughs> if that's cool with you, Kevin. Because I don't know what He wants to do yet. But it's just, yeah, Father, thank you for these moments that we could be together like this. Lord, your heart is so amazing. You desire that every single one of us have a relationship with you. That none of us fall into the systems of man, man or religiousness or comfort. But Lord, we live a life just open to you and your spirit. Lord, right now I want to pray for every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, that you will fall on every single mind, every single heart. 
And Lord, if there's anything in us that's stopping us, any default, it's stopping us from stepping into the fullness of what you've called us into. That you will start transforming from the inside out this morning. So where you sit, just ask the Lord. If you can't see anything, just ask him. Say, Lord, is there anything in me? Is there any defaults in me? I don't want to be like Moses. I don't want to walk with you for a long time and then to find out I never knew you. Maybe if you are feeling convicted and God's doing something, say, God, help me. Give me your grace. It teaches me to be righteous, zealous, is there anyone here today that has never said to Jesus I want want you to save me I want to have a relationship with you I want to give my life to you today I want to give my heart, my mind, my soul my strength, I want to walk with you I want to get to the other side one day I want to be in heaven with you I want to live eternity with you is there anyone here like that if you can like wag your hand at me or something and just say hey bro that's me, I'd love to pray with you and rejoice with you as well. Like you've never done that. You've never gone, I surrender. I just want to pause a few moments here. I don't want to ever rush these moments because it's a tug. It's a, it's a battle. The evil one doesn't want you to respond to the Lord because he knows. <laughs> Spirit, there is someone. I feel, I feel like you're a bit of a younger person. Um, I feel like um, you're blaming God because I think you're getting bullied or something's, something's not lacking with some relationships. And because of that, you've hardened your heart towards the Lord. And um, you know, God, if, if that's what my life is here, I don't know if you're a good God. And I want to just say that that isn't God doing that to you. That's just the fallen nature. But he loves you and he wants to save you. And, and, and the devil's using that as a block. That's a default right now. That it's blocking what he wants to do. And when you do come to him, you're going to experience love like never before, grace like never before, life like never before. So I don't know. It feels like there is someone here. And I just try to give a word of knowledge. Just sometimes God speaks through people to encourage and to join dots. So I don't know if there's anyone. Say, so, hey, man, bread, that's me. I'd love to pray with you. If you are here and you're too embarrassed, we'll be around after. Hey, just don't leave this place without. And then for those who may may feel like you've fallen into some kind of religious rut or train track, I want to ask you to be a little bit bolder. (laughs) If that's you, and this is a safe place, this is a place where you can get renewed and strengthened for the weeks ahead. I would love you to stand with me, just as acknowledgement. God, I'm here. That's me. I've fallen into something that isn't helpful. Well done. Come on. Don't stand if God's not speaking to you. Stand if you want change. Wonderful. Come on. Come on. 
Come on, well done, guys. Come on. Anyone else? Come on. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Amazing, God. <laughs> Come on, Lord. Even as God just continues to convict, just and re- can I just say this? Conviction and condemnation is a totally different thing, even though sometimes it feels similar, okay? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's the word. But there is conviction, and conviction is a good thing. It's like that reverent fear, you know? Come on. Anyone else? And then we're going to pray together. <laughs> this is amazing. Come on. Come on, God. Can I ask you to do another thing? I've never seen my kids receive a gift with closed fists. Can you, some, if you're comfortable just opening your palms, opening up your hands, raising your hands, gifts are given freely. You can only take them freely. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. So, Father, right now, thank you for your word that is living and active. We want to pray for everyone stood. That you will pour your spirit upon us afresh again today. Lord, where our defaults have got in the way of what you want to do. Lord, that there'll be freedom of that right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for building faith in us this morning. And Lord, we want to trust that from this moment forward, we will not fall back into those defaults again that our hearts will be softened that we'll come online again in a sense we'll come alive again and we'll see fruit of salvation in and through us